are back at it this week with another episode of The Eagle, a Times Union podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Marshall. Last week, the nation and the world learned that Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow. That meant winter is basically over in the Northern Hemisphere as far as that famous groundhog was concerned. But we barely had time to celebrate this traditional yet very non-scientific prediction. Within days, meteorologists were warning of the strong possibility of a massive snowstorm that would dump almost a foot of snow on the capital region and the Hudson Valley on Tuesday. It seemed almost assured that the kids were going to get a snow day. The Lion of Winter was not quite ready to pass that baton to the spring lamb. Spoiler alert, it didn't happen. At least, not for most of our coverage area. Here in Albany, we got nothing. Not even a dusting. The Hudson Valley was a different story. Parts of the Hudson Valley did get significant snowfall. But it was way different than what was initially predicted. What's up with that? Turns out, there's a lot that's up with that. I spoke to the National Weather Service Albany lead meteorologist Brian Frugis earlier this week. I asked him what happened with this storm. So we were kind of expecting something a little more than nothing, and we got nothing. So what kind of happened with the course of tracking this storm? I mean, this was kind of a a trickier type of snowstorm than we might typically see. Um, This one really was, um, there was a lot of shifts in the model guidance. So um, our models are run really every six hours. And basically every time it was running, it was showing the storm kind of being in a different spot. And especially over the last two days, the track has consistently kind of shifted further, further south. You know, a couple of days ago, it looked like, you know, the capital region was going to kind of be in the crosshairs of this one. And then over the last two days, um, each time their model was running, it was further south. It was starting to look maybe just south of the capital region. And it was looking like Kingston, the Mid-Hudson Valley. And then by yesterday, it was really looking like New York City was going to be kind of the hardest hit. And now actually the way it turned out was that was more of over the Poconos of Pennsylvania and then across the lower Hudson Valley and into Connecticut. So it was not far away, but far enough away that we got nothing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I must say I was not tracking the weather minute to minute, you know, as some people do. Um, I was kind of surprised to wake up, you know, we're talking on Tuesday morning here. I was kind of surprised to wake up. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Like, there's nothing, there's no precipitation. So is that is that kind of, I don't want to say normal, but like, does that happen a lot? Like where, you know, some, yeah, different. Sometimes, I mean, some storms are easy that, you know, the models are always kind of showing the same track and it's, it's easy. All the pieces that we're following are kind of, you know, easy to track and things kind of follow the plan. Um, this one, there were a couple different pieces that were coming together and they models had a tough time kind of, figuring out exactly the speed of them and if they were going to come together at the same time. So this does happen on occasion, but, you know, sometimes it works out. And this is kind of the ones where it was a lot more tricky to figure out. And the forecast had some drastic changes kind of at the last minute. Now, I completely and utterly believe you when you say Mm -hmm. that, because we, you know, to let you brag a little bit, I mean, you have some of the most advanced weather prediction models around, right? Right. Yeah. That's all, all of our weather models are run um, from the National Weather Service headquarters down outside Washington, D.C. So um, and they're some of the most powerful supercomputers in the country, actually. So, um, yeah, they are very advanced and there's a lot of numbers that kind of go into them to create them. But, yeah, on occasion, you know, it's um, 
these storms are tricky because we have to kind of know where the pieces are and to know where they're moving. And sometimes we just don't have that, that data. Um, part of this storm kind of came out of Northern Canada originally. The other part was kind of developing over the Southern part of the US. So there were a lot of things that had to come together and, and the models had a little bit of a trickier time kind of agreeing on what was going to happen with it. That must be frustrating for you, right? <laughs> You're like, I yeah. can't be able to know where this is going. <laughs> it can be, yeah. And it, it, the hardest part is just, you know, explaining that, you know, people want to forecast. And a lot of times when we, um, you know, when we create a forecast, we have a snowfall total that we're expecting, but we can also try to give some of the expectations on both the high end and the low end. And in this, in this case, we were at one point, you know, our forecast for the capital region was like around seven inches of snow, but our low end was still around an inch and the high end was like around 20. And really it, it fell out of none of those. I mean, we got, we got nothing. So it was really even below the, the low end, which is very unusual for that to happen even, but just because we had such a huge range between the low end and the high end, I mean, a lot of times we might predict six inches and our low end is four and our high end is eight. So we're pretty confident, you know, that exactly like what kind of narrow band it's going to fall in. But in this one, there was such a wide range of possibilities and it really even fell outside that, that range. So that was uh, kind of a sign to how unusual it really was. Now, what what were the kind of totals in the areas that were affected by it? There was some really heavy snow in um, the Poconos, Pennsylvania, got over a foot and across northern parts of New Jersey. Um, it's still kind of ongoing in the Poughkeepsie area and into Connecticut. Um, the Hartford area seen over a foot of snow. Um, and some of the snow rates that were like over an inch an hour, it was falling, you know, really heavy this morning. There was a lot of traffic accidents and things. So, you know, it, there was a, you know, somebody did get impacted by the storm. It just, it wasn't the capital region. And, um, but it was kind of a, a big change. I mean, there was in, even down in Kingston, they barely got flakes, but not maybe like 15 miles away. There were places that got over six inches of snow. So it went from basically nothing to kind of a lot of snow in a short distance. It's interesting that the part of our region did get hit pretty hard. And then the rest of us were like, well, what happened to the snow? You know, like I'm relieved personally, right. because- you know, snow days and, you know, dealing with the logistics of that is mm-hmm. oh yeah, not always fun. Um, it's not fun for you either. Yeah. Can we step back a little bit and talk about some of the larger trends this winter? You know, like we didn't, we haven't seen as much as say we've seen in previous years, right? What are the, what is the, what is the trend for this winter? Right. Yeah. We've definitely been kind of uh, on the below normal side in terms of snowfall, you know, normally in this time of the winter, we should have seen about 38 inches of snow and we've only had about 21 so far. Uh, So definitely below normal um, in terms of total snowfall in the winter. And we just really haven't had any like big storms. We've had a couple little storms where we've gotten a couple inches here and there, but it just hasn't been the type of winter where we've gotten a lot of big storms. And part of that is because there's some El Nino uh, right now, which does have, you know, kind of bigger impacts on the Southern part of the country, but what it, it tends to do a lot of time is there's, it has a lot of storm systems kind of moving across the southern part of the U.S. And occasionally those do move up the coast, but a lot of times there's some warmer air. So that's why we've had a lot of, a lot of rain with storm systems. Um, we haven't had a big push of like cold air. You know, I'm sure you've noticed we haven't really had any like super cold mornings where it's below zero. We haven't had anything like that. Uh, we've barely even been in the single digits at all. So it's been a little bit warmer than normal. And then with the storm track kind of, coming up from the south and being more rainstorms as opposed to snowstorms. So, you know, probably a combination of those factors. And sometimes it's just, you know, the way things kind of play out. Um, We just haven't had a big storm, you know, like we had a storm here that was south of us. You know, if this was a little bit further north, we would have had, you know, 
foot of snow and our snow, snow totals would be close to normal for the winter and you wouldn't even know we wouldn't blow normal. So sometimes it's just those real random things that kind of play out the numbers. Now, do you, you know, are we going to continue to see it play out this way? Do you think, I know you can't predict this, but like, do you think there's more snowfall to come? Are we done? Like, what is the, the groundhog? I mean, the groundhog did not see his shadow. So, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's one of those things. It's, um, you know, we've seen this in some recent winters, even last winter, where we were kind of below normal for most of the winter. And then all of a sudden in March, we got a lot of snow and March can be a very snowy month here because we're starting to get that that transition between winter and spring. And um, a lot of times there's a lot of storms that develop because of that kind of clash in the air masses and that, you know, that could, could allow for some storms. So, um, you know, we're definitely below normal now and it looks like, um, you know, we might have a few opportunities for some light snow over the next week, which could add a, you know, a few inches here and there, nothing major, but the winter is still not over. So, you know, it's hard to say, but sometimes March can be busy. So it's kind of uncertain, I would say at, at this point, but um, we'll have to kind of wait to see. Yeah, just that, you know, these these storms are tricky. I mean, they're, they're definitely hard for us. Um, you know, we've had a lot of, you know, negative feedback on social media, that kind of stuff. And, and um, you know, weather is a kind of an, you know, it's an imperfect science. There's a lot of variables that kind of come to play. And, you know, our forecasts are predictions. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of times they're fine. A lot of times they're not fine. So, um, you know, we just encourage people that if we, you know, if we are predicting a storm a couple of days out, kind of check back, um, you know, keep updated on the forecast because it, it is subject to change. And it is kind of based on a lot of factors, especially when it comes to a, a big coastal storm or things like that. So, um, but we definitely do our, do our best and try to try to get the forecast right. You know, we're always here updating our forecasts and um, people could, are always you know, welcome to, uh, you know, check back on our website for updates. And of course, you know, leave us messages on social media if they have questions as well. Whenever there's a big snowstorm or other weather incident, you can always check out our weather tracker at timesunion.com. We're going to take a short break now. When we return, the Albany County District Attorney is taking some heat for a bonus that he gave himself and it looks like it's causing a bit of a shakeup in Albany politics. We'll have the latest on that story. Stay tuned. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union subscriber today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. You're listening to The Eagle, a Times Union podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Marshall. We're going to dive into some Albany politics now. We have political distractions, political distractions that came about as a result of a bonus that I received. The Albany County District Attorney, David Soares, is taking some heat this week for a bonus that he gave himself last year, and it may have some political consequences for him. Times Union reporter Steve Hughes joins me now to discuss further. Uh, 
All right, last week you broke some news that the DA in the County of Albany, longtime DA, David Soares, he's been in office for 20 years now, uh, previously politically infallible, but now maybe not so much. Uh, tell us what happened. So last week we broke the news that the county was asking for the state comptroller and the state attorney general's office to examine David Soros' decision to grant himself two bonuses late last year, totaling almost $24,000. That's a big bonus. Now, why, why is that problematic? Right. So what happened is the Albany County Comptroller's office said they discovered these bonuses during what they call the routine review. The county attorney's office commissioned an outside law firm to examine this issue and some of the potential legal issues around it. And what that report found is that the use of these two state grants to fund the bonuses potentially violated state law and the county charter. There are a few other smaller issues that that report identified, but that was the main thrust of it. Essentially, that David Sora's decision to unilaterally grant himself these bonuses did not follow what is laid out in the state judiciary law. How did David Soares respond to this? He made a statement via video, right? So that, yes, David has, has sent out two video statements uh, in regard to this issue. On Sunday, he sent out a video, and this was after several days of defending these decisions in radio interviews and press statements. But he sent out a video statement Sunday uh, attempting to defend this and, and saying, legally, I was allowed to do this. And then Monday, he didn't quite reverse course, but he certainly changed tack. I'd like to change the conversation. And in order to do that, I need to return that money. I need to work with our Albany County Legislature to return those funds. He put out a second video uh, featuring his wife and two children saying, he was going to return the money, that it would, had become a distraction. He did not apologize for taking the bonuses. He did not say that he believed what he had done was wrong or a mistake. He was just saying, I'm going to give the money back so that it is not a distraction from the work that my office does. Okay. So where are we now? There's two separate tracks that are going on. There's the legal track where we're waiting to see if the state comptroller's office and the state attorney general's office is going to take any action, make any recommendations. We haven't heard from them yet. They, they have just acknowledged receiving the county's uh, request for a review or an investigation, and that's that. Uh, David is also going to appear before a joint meeting of the county legislature's law committee and audits and finance committee to answer questions about this issue because legislatures have questions as well. Then there's the political track. David, as of last late last week, was running unopposed for a sixth term as the Albany County District Attorney. There was no primary opponent. There was no general opponent. Since then, two Democrats, uh, Defense Attorney Lee Kinlan and Colony Assemblyman Phil Steck, have expressed interest to the Democratic committee that they would like to run for district attorney. David had received a recommendation from the Albany County Democratic Committee's executive committee that he receive the party's endorsement. This was before the news broke. Tuesday night, 
the Albany County Democratic Committee took no action on endorsement. What they essentially did is they reopened the interview process to give uh, Phil and Lee and anyone else who expressed interest a chance to interview and a chance to get the Democratic Party endorsement. That just opened up a whole new can of worms now. The Albany County DA race being contentious this year was not on our bingo card, right? Yes, there, there was no discussion of anyone challenging David. He did have a primary challenger the last time he ran in 2020. He won easily, um, and it was widely expected that he was going to run unopposed for a sixth term. And now it remains unclear if he's even going to get the Democratic Party endorsement, which would be uh, a, a pretty stunning turn of events for a five-term incumbent. Now, Lee Kinlan has run for DA before against Soros, right? This wouldn't be the first time if, should he get the endorsement or should he, should they face each other in this race in some way, shape or form? This wouldn't be the first time, right? Yes. Uh, Lee did challenge David before. He ran in the Democratic primary in 2012 and David won handily. Uh, if I remember correctly, he beat Lee by 10 or 11 points in the election. David Soros' tenure as DA He's been in office for 20 years now. He was elected in 2004. It's now 2024. Um, his tenure hasn't been without controversy prior to this, right? Can you talk about some of the issues that have come up in the past with his office? As David mentioned in his uh, email that went out announcing his, his re-election campaign, as he sees it, he has not been afraid to ruffle feathers of the political flock in Albany County. Um, <laughs> That's poetic. Yes, uh, I'm sure whoever wrote that line was very happy with it when they when they did that. But as recently as 2022, we reported on a report from David's own office that found that he had withheld hundreds of thousands of dollars in criminal asset forfeiture money that should have gone to a state agency that helps people with addiction problems. David has certainly been involved in other uh, more politically controversial situations. Back when former Governor Andrew Cuomo was under investigation, Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple actually wrote a, a citation basically charging Cuomo with a misdemeanor. This was, I believe, the closest Governor Cuomo came to actually facing a criminal charge as the result of the investigations into his treatment of women in his office. But David Soros, like several other prosecutors across the state, declined to bring charges. So David has also been a outspoken voice questioning the recent changes to the state's criminal justice reforms. Um, he has questioned how we've implemented raise the age, bail reform, a discovery reform, essentially arguing that the state has made it easier for people who have allegedly committed crimes to go out and reoffend. For more on the bail reform issue, which we have covered and continue to cover extensively, head over to our New York State section at timesunion.com, or you can sign up for our new newsletter, Capital Confidential with Dan Clark, for exclusive insider takes on state government and policy. So the DA's race in Albany County may be an interesting one to watch in the coming weeks and months. Uh, so Steve, we will certainly check back with you on this again in the future. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You can read more about this story and everything else that we discuss on this podcast at timesunion.com or on any of our social channels, that's Facebook, Threads, Instagram, and YouTube. 
All right, that's it for this week. We will be back next week with more from inside the newsroom. The Eagle is a production of the Times Union. It's produced and edited by myself, Jessica Marshall, with help from the Times Union digital team and the newsroom. Special thanks this week to Steve Hughes for his contribution to this episode. 